Hi everyone and welcome to the Parma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Really great to have you all again with us and uh, I'm really excited today as always. Um, but uh, today I've got a really great guest with me, um, a returning guest, a good friend of mine, um, April Kling Mayer. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, James. I I'm so thrilled to be invited back. Um, we left everything on a tiny cliffhanger, cliffhanger last time. And um, this time I like to go a lot deeper into some of the things we were talking about. So thank you very, very much for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you back. We have a lot of conversations on on Twitter uh, about all sorts of different oh, yeah. things. We're always seem to be on a similar page. So it's... Uh, uh, it's quite exciting. And I was a guest on your podcast a few months back as well, which was fun. Um, yeah, I'll we're, get to we're having again. a good teeter-totter with that. I think we should keep it going. You should be on yeah, my podcast next. I, I'll have you back. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think that I, I like that. I definitely like that. That's cool. Because I, <laughs> I like being on your podcast because um, you talk about all these interesting things. Um and as your Twitter handle, well, not it's not your Twitter handle, but your Twitter bio kind of really points out creativity and spirituality are your, are your things and how the two are connected. Creativity yes, is I spirituality. The same. It's kind of your mantra. Um, and we're going to be talking about that today. Um, so tell us kind of where you are and what, what, you're, what, you're, uh, what you're working on right now and what, what's in your mind. Okay. Well, there's a couple of different layers to that. Um, so I've got stuff that's like really present for me right now. Um, just like a really hot topic for me right now. And then I've got another topic that's really kind of evergreen and that's just really always there for me. And I hope we could talk a little bit about both, but, um, the one thing I definitely wanted to bring up today because it's hot on my mind and definitely the forefront of every conversation I've been having lately is the concept of reclaiming creativity. And I think that those two words, I think that those two words really kind of evoke different things for different people, but it definitely implies that there's somebody that we have to reclaim our creativity from. And I guess I want to pose that question to you as my host. Like, what do those words mean for you particularly? And um, is there someone or something that you feel that you should reclaim your creativity from, James? Mm. You can tell you're a podcast host as well because you're very good at <laughs> asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> It's a hard habit to break. You and you turn it into a question for me. That's very, very good. Very good. No, I do the same thing, by the way. Um, yes. But, uh, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, yes, yeah, a good, very good question. Very good question. Who, who am I reclaiming my creativity from? And like, like it's, it's, for me, it's got a lot of layers. That because I, I'm, yeah, because creativity encompasses so much for me. Uh, mm -hmm. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's podcasting obviously as everyone knows i have this podcast i now have another podcast um which i would advise everyone to go and listen to as well um called um the kryptonian the princess and the avenger that's also out 
uh, by the time this goes out, it will be out. So you go and find that um, little plug. Um, but the other area of my creativity that I haven't really been in touch with for a while was is writing. Uh, and right. I used to I used to write obsessively. Uh, you know, ten years ago, I was literally getting home from work and just writing every day. <laughs> It was like my escape. It was it was something that gave me joy. It was, um, you know, I just did it for myself. I was posting blog posts every week or twice a week sometimes. Um, it was just like, yeah, I was like a writing machine almost. Uh, and I was so confident in it and loved it. And then a few things happened, which people who know me and listen to the show will know. Right. Right. Uh, betrayal and um failure uh, or perceived failure anyway um and you know, almost losing everything and um a loss of loss of faith loss of confidence yeah um and a major trauma around my writing right and, and it's really meant that i haven't been able to write since um uh, not much um obviously the odd bit bit and bits and pieces but not not in a sustained way mm-hmm. um and i so in a sense my writing was stolen from me it, it kind of somebody stabbed me in the back and yeah ripped it out of me um <laughs> without my consent it was and it was a bereavement um yeah. um and actually through therapy i realized that i've been using writing as a using the idea of success in writing as a way to make up for the loss of my mother, which I didn't realize at the time. That, mm. That's why it was so devastating when that didn't work. Cause the grief wasn't just about the failure of the writing. It was a, it was the failure of, it was finally, I had to actually acknowledge the devastation of, of losing my mother. Um, right. And, um, and there was nothing filling that hole anymore. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so kind of now I'm at this place where I'm kind of like I'm. I have this curiosity about writing again. Um, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. not ready to actually do it yet, but I know that I would like to get to a place where I can do it. I'm not going to do yeah. it unless I feel comfortable and safe doing so. Um, I'm not going to do it unless I. And I'm not going to be doing. I'm not going to write for anybody else. I'm going to write for myself. Um, but it has to be, I have to be ready for it and I have to feel ready in my body. I have to feel ready in my intuition. I have to feel ready, uh, in my awareness and my consciousness. I just, I just have to, like, I can't decide I'm ready. I just, I either know it, either I am or I'm not. Um, and I guess reclaiming, maybe reclaiming creativity for me partly is reclaiming my writing, um, from my trauma. Um, yes uh, another and that's another area i mean which i don't talk about much is is i used to draw a lot when i was younger yeah i haven't drawn since i was a teenager um so that might be something else and poetry i used to write a lot of poetry when i was a teenager i haven't written Mm. poetry since i was a teenager so there's three things really that i you know three areas of creativity that i haven't really explored for, for years that you know there's that sometimes i think oh that's it i'm just done with them it's too painful to go back other times i feel like yeah i would i kind of like to but when the time is right and in my own way and not publicly you know i'd like to be like 
I'd like to write a book, not tell anyone I'm writing it, and then it be done. And then like, yeah. boom, here it is. By the, by the way, I spent the last two years writing this. <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> here that's it perfect. is. Yeah, yeah. The, that's perfect. It would be so much fun to do that and just have people, people have no idea and it just mm-hmm. come out of nowhere. Um, yeah, um, that would be kind of fun to do. Um, but yeah, who knows? But uh, I'm not writing anything now. Um, but I would, I would, I would like to come back to some of those things. And or are you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you just said you were going to keep yeah, your writing secret. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, you know. But, that's why I posed the question to you because this is what I love the most about you is that you have this awareness about your creativity. You have this consciousness around what it is that you miss about your creativity and that where your abilities lie or where your desires to express yourself lie. And, um, you know, we've talked about this privately, you and I, um, quite mm. a bit and, uh, and online too, and Twitter and things. And, um, what I like so much about these conversations with you is that you're very conscious of that. I feel like when I'm having these conversations with people in general, that that consciousness, that awareness generally isn't there. So good on you for having that. Um, you're, leaps and bounds ahead of most people who are coming to me with this problem of needing to reclaim their creativity. Um, And it's really excellent too, that you are readily able to name something that you feel that you would need to reclaim your creativity from something which you've named, which would be grief is something that you could actively harness to um, fuel that creativity. So that's, unique and beautiful. Um, and I really am never going to have the same conversation about those two words, reclaiming creativity. I'm never going to have the same two conversations about that with two different people or even the same person twice. Um, so I really love everything that you brought forward here. You've also mentioned that there were um, two different forms of creativity in your youth that brought you joy that have not played as central a role in your life and that have become a little bit less of a priority, namely drawing and poetry. And I want to really, it to anyone that could be listening, um, I want to really put some emphasis there because that will be one of the first things that I'm going to be asking people to do is to go back to that point in youth or childhood or adolescence where our creativity was so much less burdened. Our creativity came with a lot less baggage back then. And of course, a lot of us had very, very difficult childhoods. I'm not going to discount that at all. But throughout the years of adulthood, we just layer onto that and we um, continually burden ourselves away from that creativity that we was so much more unburdened um, as children and as adolescents and as, as you in our youth. And um, one of the first things that I remember um, 
remember telling you was to just really think about those things that you did as a child, that you did as a youth and try to work that back into your life. And I really also want people to see themselves. James, I want you to see yourself as a, as a word, as a worthy audience, you know, um, one thing that you brought up was about how you want to write in secret for a while and then have it ready to unleash to the world. I really think there's some potent energy in considering yourself a worthy audience for as long as necessary. I have a term for that that I use in my work. I call it the audience of one. And that one not being another person, but being the self and to perform whatever your art form is, whatever your creative expression is, to write, to perform, to make, to draw, to paint, to dance only for an audience of one for as long as possible and necessary and to see yourself and I always say yourself instead of yourself because I think of those as I'm, I'm kind of using it with like two words, like yourself, like your mm-hmm. divine self, your true self, your original self. There's a lot of different ways of putting it um, that kind of more succinctly say what I'm trying to say, but treating yourself as the truly worthy audience that you are to receive exactly the things that you create. And I want to encourage that to be the primary focus of anybody's spiritual practice is to put anybody else and anybody else's response or anybody else's eyes or ears or anybody else's five senses aside completely and even even your own ego's viewpoint on your creativity putting that aside completely which is work way easier said than done but to put that aside completely in favor of honoring the self with whatever gift that you have to give it with your creativity so that's really spicy for me right now. Really, really hot, energetic conversations happening for me about that right this minute. And I'm so glad that you are letting me bring that forward. So yeah. (laughs) Wow. This is, this is brilliant. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Um, I love this. I love this so much. And that that is really beautiful. Um, Well, you really just, Tossed me such a softball there because, like, James, you are totally nailing it with what you're saying. Like, you are absolutely bringing forward exactly the kind of things that I would tell a client. Like, please just do this for yourself for a while. And please just honor the self with that presence and honor yourself as a beloved audience. And you went ahead and you just, like, bring this forward. And I'm like, think goodness because you pretty much you you i mean we're on the same wavelength what can i say <laughs> yeah we are we absolutely are yeah. 
Um, I think we have the same perspective on creativity and spirituality. Definitely. Um, completely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and you're right about the thing. I love that audience of one thing. I mean, I sometimes I talk talk to friends about this, like dancing with your headphones on on your phone with Spotify mm-hmm. is a is a legitimate thing to do. Um, oh yeah. Like having having your own disco, like it's perfectly legitimate thing to do. If you need to just get out of your head for a bit and just, or you've got a load of nervous energy in your body, or you just want to have a bit of fun, that is a perfectly legitimate thing to do. So, uh, and I have done it. <laughs> um, so have I. A lot um, in the last, for most of my life. And, um, and so, um, yeah, I've got I like kitchen yeah. disco. I've got bedroom disco. I've got vehicle disco. I've got private discos all over the world, all over the world. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's 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 therapeutic and healing, you know, definitely. It, and it it connects you with your body. It connects you with your spirit uh, in many ways. Sometimes when I'm doing it, I close literally close my eyes and just let my body do what it wants to do. Yeah, uh, and that is like a really surreal experience. What he sorry, what he wants to do, um, and oh, you know, I love that! I love that. It's a it's a, it's a surreal experience, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've done a lot of embodiment work, and so my body is a he. Um, I absolutely yeah. love that. Oh, yeah. hey, I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna start calling my body she. Um, really when you brought that concept to me, by the way, like I have been doing, I've been coaching embodiment. I have been doing embodiment work. I mean, for years and the idea of referring to my own body as in the third person was a concept that you brought forward to me. And I have certainly thought of, you know, treating my body as my own dear and precious friend. It's in the book that I self-publishing and like all that stuff. But I really love referring and referring to my body as uh, in the third person. That is awesome. It is a really good way of the body. I had a really good embodiment coach, Jamie, Jamie Lee Finch, who, uh, who was a guest on the show is a friend of mine. Um, and, uh, and she taught me that, you know, that's what, that's part of her work. You know, part of your body is a person. Um, yes. Yeah, it's not an it. It's a he, she, they. You know. And Perfect. When you have a relationship with your body like that, it becomes very, very different, and it 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 helps you get to know yourself and connect with yourself in a way that you you wouldn't otherwise. So it's yeah, I highly recommend everyone to do that. Um, and check out Jamie Lee. Finch's I can't say work enough about being able to like. Yeah can't say enough about like being able to look in a mirror and no longer see my myself, but to see a, a beautiful and precious friend and not identify with that face or that hair or that skin any longer. That's not me. That's my flesh vehicle <laughs> that I have to lovingly care for just as I would, you know, a, a vehicle that's made of, of metal and, and has four tires on it. You know, um, mm-hmm. we at least owe our bodies 
as much love as we do our cars <laughs> and um, yeah. our modes of transportation. So I love that this Jamie Lee is, um, she sounds like somebody I would really like, actually. I'm surprised I've never heard of her yet. She's incredible. She's really incredible. Oh, I'm going to look her up. Yeah. yeah. Well, com, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. I think most people who listen to this show will probably know who she is. Uh, as, as I say, she's been a guest. Um, so uh, she is wonderful. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and it kind of, the whole that whole embodiment thing, it, it can help you distinguish from your, your, distinguish your consciousness and your awareness from mm-hmm. your body. Yeah. That's and, certainly true. Um, you can have a much more integrated spirituality in a way. Um, because like and this is getting into other things that I've done work on and had to get other guests I've had on, like talking about our awareness, our consciousness being separate from our brains and our bodies. Like Ooh. um and, now we're getting into some of my favorite things to talk about for sure. Yeah, and this is kind of where the because I was talking about somebody about how the creative stuff, my best creative stuff comes from my heart. <clears throat> of course. When I write, um, excuse me, everyone, I've got a bit of a cold. <clears throat> when I write from just my head, it's not the best writing. <laughs> it's not creative. It's just factual, like, you know, whatever. And I can write good reports from my head, but I can't write great art from my head. It has to start in my heart. And you know, um, and um, and that is a, like a, an embodiment thing, but also my awareness has to go to that place to really. When I'm writing from that place, it feels like my awareness and consciousness is there as well. Like, yeah. Um, and it's really difficult to explain. It sounds a bit woo, but but it's real. And I've had a lot of experiences around my consciousness and awareness in different parts of my body or even being out of my body. Um, and, um, and this comes, kind of comes on to what the other thing we were going to, we, we kind of mentioned before we started recording, which is, um, dreams and journaling dreams, which is something else that that you, you're really passionate about. So yeah, reclaiming creativity is like a hot button, tasty, spicy thing for me right now, but, something evergreen for me, something that's been in my life, a conversation, a constellation that's been in my life for as long as, as long as I can remember, um, is dream, primarily dream interpretation, but really that's turned into as far as my work is concerned, as far as the work of creativity as spirituality is concerned, is encouraging people to embark on a dream journaling practice. And I realize I'm not alone in that field, but I do feel like the field is pretty small. Um, Dream journaling is something that a lot of spiritual practitioners such as myself encourage, but I have gone really granular with it. And I've started coaching people on how specifically to do it based on feedback that I've received in my field on why people don't do it. 
And I think that the most feedback that I get from people when it's, and, and my own feedback when it was recommended to me that I not just interpret, but also journal and write down my dreams because I've been interpreting my own dreams um, actively with a particular spiritual, uh, we'll say like soulmate, but I hate that word. <laughs> um, there's somebody in my life who has been a spiritual teacher to me and, and peer for most of my life. And his name is Timothy. And Timothy and I have been interpreting each other's dreams since we were kids. And when, and so it's an important practice to me, but when it came time to have dream journaling recommended to me, I didn't, I wasn't provided a template. I wasn't given a specific way to do that. And I'm one of those people who likes being told how to do something and not given too much, um, too much freedom <laughs> to do it away in a way that we're, because I feel my fears are that I could do it wrong or incorrectly. And of course, you know, that's, that's my trip. That's my, uh, that's my journey. Right. But I figured out a way to do it on my own, which is actually quite brilliant. Um, and I started doing it that way. And I realized that anytime I were recommended dream journaling to people, that their objections to the practice were exactly the objections that I had to overcome to embark on that practice. I have now been dream journaling every single day for years, years, a, wow. a single digit number of years, but years. And why that is sustainable for me is because I've addressed these concerns and those concerns typically are, um, it takes too much time. I don't have time to journal in the morning or I, or, or the same objection I just mentioned before, which is like, it's too open-ended. I need specific, I need to specifically know what to focus on because you can start writing a dream down and then, you know, two hours later, you're still writing. Um, I think that was one of my fears was just getting too hooked into the narrative aspect of things. Hmm. One thing that Tim and I have really put a lot of emphasis on, and we have to constantly remind each other is the emphasis is first and foremost on the emotions that the dream evokes. If you're only able to write down what emotions your dream creates for you in the dream space. If you're only able to write that down, you've done, I, 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 I dare say you've done enough because that is, I think 90 or 95% of it right there is how a dream makes you feel. I could have a dream about being on an airplane and you could have a dream about being on an airplane and we would have two totally different emotions about that same exact dream, even though we're both having it, right? Mm. And um, when I teach people how to do dream journaling, I teach people how to do it so quickly that it is as routine and simple as hitting snooze on your alarm really even less time than that because a typical snooze button will go off after about nine or 10 minutes. 
if you hit snooze on your alarm and dream journal, you'll be done and be ready to like get up and get dressed before your zoom, before your snooze alarm goes off again. I, I teach a way to do it that takes less than five minutes. And I cannot tell you, I, I've taught this now to hundreds of people. I've done seminars on it. I, I sell, um, a video course with the template and I've, I've now can honestly say that I've given this gift to hundreds of people and the feedback is resounding that it only takes a few days, maybe a week, maybe a few weeks before really amazing results start to happen. And I hate the word results because it sounds like marketing talk. But truly, that's the best word for it. Um, and I can be more specific too. Really bizarre coincidences start to happen. Um, really wild opportunities start to open. It's consistent that I keep getting that feedback where people are picking up exactly the breadcrumbs that their subconscious are laying down for them. It's really the best way that I can put it. And um, I want to know from you, James, like to kind of throw it back to you, podcast host style. <laughs> I want to know how this, how this all lands for you, James, because I know that you're interested in it, but I know that it's not something that you've really jumped on yet. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have journaled a few dreams that I've had. Right. Over the years, like a few. That's how not it starts. <laughs> not, not all of them, but I have generally right, a few right. of them and then looked up the meanings afterwards. Um, and, yeah, it, it's always fascinated me because it's I've always felt that it comes from my subconscious trying to tell me something. Always. Um, and I've had a lot of dreams which are near the water. I've had a lot mm-hmm. of dreams which involve trains, okay. um, including trains that go underneath the water and travel across the bottom of the water and the water is clear. It's very yeah. surreal. Um, the last dream I had, um, I remember it because I, I think I wrote it down. Um, I did, actually. I think I wrote it down that I was at the bottom of the sea and then suddenly got pulled up to the surface really quickly. And then I was floating around on the surface and I was looking around and the, the water was glinting in the sunlight and it was kind of like up and down, up and down. I was just like they're floating there. Uh, and then almost immediately I was on the shore, like wet, but in this kind of cave, cavern, like cave, whatever, on like the shore. And I was just, I, I was there and I was wet uh, from being in the sea. So I come from being in the bottom of the sea to in the sea and then on the shore um i can't remember the the other parts of the dream but that's that was basically the dream yeah and i wrote that down i have no idea what it meant i didn't i wasn't like really clear um but yeah i know that i have a lot of dreams about the water a lot of dreams that involve traveling um trains even had one a couple where i was in space um (laughs) Uh, one was I was sitting on a I was literally sitting on a spaceship looking around space <laughs> wow um like and it was so real it was so like three-dimensional 
Um, and yeah, I, I remember that. I wrote that one down. That's definitely one that I remembered. Um, yeah, so I've had a few of those kind of dreams. And um, yeah, it's um, so yeah, those, those are kind of the things that come up for me. But I, I haven't, I haven't, I've never written them down, written them down consistently. But I am curious as to what my subconscious is trying to tell me. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, because I know that there's some truth in there. And always, yeah. And I really want to explore what that is. So, yeah, that's my kind of experience of it. So, this dream where you were at the bottom of the ocean and then you surfaced. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, what was the consistent, most potent emotion that that dream evoked for you? Um, well, I almost didn't have time to think during that dream. It was like, I mean, I was at the bottom of the ocean and it wasn't like dark at the bottom of the ocean. It was blue. Right. The water was clear. Right. It was clean water, but it was it was like it was deep, but it was clear for some reason. It's very weird. Um and for a minute I thought I was gonna I was gonna die, and then I'd got then I literally got moved, sucked, sucked, almost like sucked up to the surface. And I just looked around and I was kind of okay, I'm here. Right, okay, what do I do now? Um and I had a chance to look around and see the beauty and everything of the of the the sunlight on the sea and um uh and then i was suddenly like again it was like i don't remember the transition between being in the water and then being on the beach Um, right and and the weird thing was this is the weird thing right a friend of mine posted a picture on instagram that day Uh uh-huh and it looked just like the water in my dream It, it was Exactly the same. It was glinting the same way as as when I was actually in the in the water at the surface. Oh, James, you're same. just proving me right. <laughs> yes, exactly the same as like oh, I was like, oh my god, that's exactly what yeah. I was like, what the hell? Like, you know, um, right. Oh the wow. Is like is a is a is a, it does a bit of does is is does a lot of tarot reading. So she's right. into, really into spirituality and all of that and dreams and things oh, like that. So, definitely so, overlap between tarot reading and dream interpretation, but please continue. Yes, definitely. Like, and it was, oh my gosh, it was like, I was like, okay, so what's going on here? You know, something's going on here. Like, what does this yeah. mean? Like, yeah. Um, and yeah, so there you go. <laughs> um, well, as you're describing that dream, I hear several different emotions i hear terror being afraid that you were gonna that you were gonna expire right that you were gonna die i hear confusion what the heck's going on i hear wonder and amazement and those are the things that i always coach people when they're embarking on a dream journey practice to put emphasis on first and foremost And when I coach people to do such a thing, and I know that you mentioned a few times too, that like the details sometimes get hazy. I think that's intentional. I really think of, of, uh, 
the subconscious as a supercomputer. And that's not something that I came up with at all. That was definitely taught to me by a trained hypnotherapist. Um, it was exactly the term that he used. And a supercomputer is something that stores way more data than is actually actionable, right? And the subconscious filters through all of that unactionable stuff and only gives you the stuff that it thinks is actionable in the only way that it knows how, which is dreams. That is the only time your subconscious has you as a captive audience and has your complete and full attention. And when the subconscious delivers things that are hazy, like hazy details, it's the subconscious way of saying, the subconscious's way of saying, that's not important. What I want you to focus on is what's going to stick with you for the rest of the damn day, which is how it made you feel. Mm. And when you begin writing a dream down occasionally, only the dreams that stick with you is, is a good thing. And it's, it's a, it's a great way to kind of embark on this practice is to only write down those dreams that really rise up and, and bite you. But when I tell people to do this every single day as a matter of discipline and to put the emphasis on the emotions and to write down the very important, very present details, it's because I want people to begin viewing the patterns. The patterns that emerge in dreams are not something that we are able to look at unless we record them. And I know that there are people out there that will probably disagree with that. Like, I remember every dream I ever had. Great for you. This That's, that's fine. Maybe this isn't for you. But I personally can't even tell you what I remember. Like, t- can't even tell you what I dreamed two nights ago. And I dream journal every single day. I would literally have to pull up my own dream journal to tell you what I dreamed two nights ago. And the importance of Mentioning that is to say that at the end of a week, it's I'm teaching people at the end of a week, at the end of a month. And if you're disciplined enough at the end of the year to go back through and look at the trends that emerge, almost like hashtags, like we do with hashtags and social media, we aren't doing that with our dreams as nearly as much as we're doing with social media because that's pretty, I'm pretty much teaching you to hashtag your own dreams to yourself and to go back through and look at the trends that emerge, look at the emotions, the trend of your emotions. And this is especially great to look at in tandem with an ordinary journaling, like free association journaling or um, writing down the events of the day. If you have that practice going in tandem with it, it's really, really interesting, but I don't even that's not even a requirement for me. It's about watching what emerges over time. And you'd be surprised how many times that best friend from fifth grade appears in dreams. You'd be surprised how many times, you know, that these things keep coming up. Um, You mentioned that you dream a lot about trains and transportation. It's really excellent, James, that you have noticed that. Um, and if you were doing a dream journaling practice, it would probably be, it would probably emerge for you as a signpost for very important emotions that are, are, that are rising up to be dealt with and, um, creatively expressed. 
Mm, yeah, mm. I did notice a pattern with these these train dreams that to start with the train, I, I either missed the train or the train didn't leave mm. right, the station, right? Uh, or the station wasn't ready, or, or some some for some reason the train wouldn't leave. And then when I started doing my healing work, um, the train started leaving, <laughs> and. Well, I remember one particular dream where, where this dream, oh, I think I told you a bit about it just earlier, that the train went into the sea, not into a tunnel, just it went under the sea, under right. the bottom of the sea. And it's funny that every time I dream about the sea, the sea is all, and I'm under the water, the, the water when I'm under water is always clear and bright blue. Hmm. And there's no fish and it's clean water. It's just um, like a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I was like, I was so I was like traveling in the water and like in a train. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, um, and then, of course, after that, I had the dream in space, where I was traveling in space, and I think I had a train in space once, maybe, or something like that. Wow. I can't remember anyway. But I was, um, yeah. So I've had all these dreams where I'm traveling around these these places. And they're all beautiful, some of them. Um, and sometimes I just stop and look at them. Um, so it's there is kind of a there is kind of a, a development there. Oh yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. As you, if you were to embark on a daily practice with this, um, first of all, I think it would get you writing a lot more. I, I think that it really opens up creativity for people um in very in a myriad of ways different it's different for everyone but it is pretty much a guaranteed result um but also when you're able to do this on a daily basis and see where the trends are emerging you would be able to i, I want to go back a little bit to something you said earlier you mentioned it in passing but it's important you mentioned how you looked up the meanings of those dreams you also consulted with a friend who was versant in tarot. Very, very excellent instincts there. Um, over time with tarot practice, the mm. cards themselves um, with a with a disciplined practitioner such as myself, um, tarot cards become ha have their own meanings for the practitioner for the reader, and it won't necessarily be what's in the book. And I feel very strongly about tarot in that regard and, and also about dreams because what, what, you know, dreammoves.com, which is the most popular um, dream lookup website for people. Um, what dreammoves.com is going to say about train dreams could definitely resonate with you. But when you make a practice of, writing down your dreams and recording them in the, in the manner that I teach and going back and reflecting on trends, those symbols become a part of your very own lexicon and they take on a meaning onto themselves. Just that's just yours. And you can pair that with like Justin Tarot, you pair that with what it means in the book books that you entrust with telling you what tarot cards mean. And you can pair that with what websites, dream lookup websites are going to tell you and you can compare mm. and contrast, but there's nothing more important than the lexicon that you eventually build 
by establishing a regular daily dream journaling practice. That is the most powerful. You basically are building a symbolism dictionary for yourself to be used for the rest of your life. And it's like, there's nothing Jung himself. There's nothing Carl Jung himself could sit down and write for you personally that would be more powerful than that. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And it's really funny how you talk about this and you talk about how it could, well, help me reclaim my creativity, which is where we started this conversation. Absolutely. Circle. It's like this. Yes. When we start to connect with our subconscious, when we start to connect with um, our bodies, um, Mm -hmm. we start to hear what they're saying. Um, We can start doing work in those areas and we can start listening and we can create from those spaces because um, when we start listening to our bodies and we're doing the work, then we begin healing. And when you're yep. doing healing, then you can really start to do the work. And it's all connected. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that is, that's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. This has been really great. Oh, my pleasure, James. It's just an absolute treat and an absolute highlight of my week, my month, just to be able to speak with somebody who gets it it is awesome and i thank you so very much you're welcome yeah we'll definitely have you back on again for sure um this is going to be a regular anytime regular thing, i think yeah um and where awesome. can people find you if okay. they want to get hold of you and connect with you and your work best place to do that right now um, would be to go to my link tree. Um, so that would be L I N K T R dot E E slash April Klingmeyer, which is A P R I L K L I N G M E Y E R. But if you didn't have a chance to write that down just now, you can find me on Instagram, April Klingmeyer. You can also find creativity is spirituality on Instagram. And both of those will have that link tree in the bio and you can click that and you can get instant access to all of my offerings, all of my events, and just all the little things that I do that hopefully come around full full circle for you too, if you're listening. Um, And also I uh, am just starting up a YouTube channel. So watch that space as well. Um, but yeah, April Klingmeyer, uh, if you Google my name, you will find me no problem. Just remember Kling is spelled with a K. Fantastic. And I highly recommend it, everybody. Um, April is amazing and her work is incredible. So, um, um, and she has a great podcast as well. That's Um, right. I do. (laughs) I keep forgetting. (laughs) There will be a link. There will be a link to the podcast in that link tree as well for you to listen to. I think I've got 30 episodes now. I'm taking a break until I get ordained this summer. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be an interfaith minister as of the end of July. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. So um, that, uh, yeah, you can listen to my podcast um, at that same link I gave earlier. It's, uh, It's one of the options. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, we'll go and do that everyone and uh, and thanks for listening <laughs>